On today's show, the Cavs started strong, acquitted themselves well, but ultimately lost to the Boston Celtics. Let's dive into that game. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. I'm Chris Manning. The man right there adjusting his camera is the one and only Evan Damerell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. We're going to talk Kev Celtics today. Cleveland loses in Boston the first of two matchups this week between those teams. 120 to 113. Mitchell led all scores with 29. Darius Garland had 26. Max Drew 17. Jared Allen 14. Tatum and Brown had 25 apiece. Karis Levert, in his return from injury, played just under 23 minutes, scored 11 points on 5 of 11 shooting, and was 1 of 4 from 3. Evan, what is your big Cavs Celtics takeaway? Um, the Cavs came out hot in the first quarter, I think. It was a little jarring. I think maybe Boston had a little bit of that rust after not playing since Friday, and maybe that was evident in the first quarter a little bit, but Cleveland certainly didn't give the impression of um, a team that was coming off the second game of a back-to-back, a very competitive first game of that back-to-back against Orlando the night before, and they they looked good. Um, I I think I was really impressed with how well Jared Allen played against uh, Kristaps Porzingis to open the game. Like, he handled the task and the assignment very well. You and I talked about this leading up to the game, like, oh, this could be a bit of a bloodbath because of Allen fouling out against Orlando and having to deal with the stretch here big, and also just Cleveland kind of on this second game of a back-to-back. But, like, yeah, it was encouraging, and then you started to see them kind of run out of steam down the stretch, like teams that are on the second game of a back-to-back tend to do, and the Cavs kind of let this one get away from them, I think, and... I have more like deeper takes just like overall in the grand scope of things, but like it felt like this one, this one was winnable for Cleveland, but it certainly got away from them. Yeah. I, I think this started well enough. I think this game, obviously they come out gangbusters. They're leading big early. They're scoring. The energy is, is very much in their advantage. That was all really, really positive. And I think overall, Evan, I come away thinking this is a pretty good performance. I think just considering how good Boston is and, and the way they play and, and all of that, I think them coming back and finding a way back into this game, whether they were going to win or whether they are going to lose, felt like it was probably going to happen. They deserve a ton of credit for how they did it. We're going to talk about some of the pressure points I think they hit on pretty well. They were just ultimately better. They scored at a high clip. They executed better than the Cavs did. They had answers for what the Cavs did, but I still think that this was overall a pretty good performance. They... I mean, for whatever it's worth, the Cavs beat the very large spread. I think it opened at like a, it finished at like eleven and a half by the time the game started. It was I think ten and a half yesterday when we looked. All in all, this was a decent enough, good Cavs performance against one of the best teams in the league. Certainly, some uneven parts of it. Certainly, things I think they would like back or a chance to do better. Certainly, I think and someone we'll talk about in segment three. They really could have used Evan Mobley in this game. And we can talk about specifically how that happened. But I think overall, a better performance than I expected against one of the best teams in the league. And you don't get moral victories in the NBA, but this kind of feels like one. 
Yeah, if you had to look at it from a glass half full, this is a moral victory for sure. I think that is important, like the context of Noah and Mobley in this one um, certainly did play a part in this. Um, but for me, like in terms of just like moral victories, maybe like what to look ahead, like this is a pseudo like baseball style playoff matchup where the Cavs have a day off, the Celtics have a day off tomorrow, and then they play each other again on Thursday before Cleveland comes back home to play Atlanta on Saturday. And I think for me, like what was encouraging in this game was you saw a lot of like Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell like playing off of one another, but it wasn't like your turn, my turn basketball. They're playing within the flow of the offense and they were finding ways to get others involved and also just get each other going on offense where we didn't see that the night before against Orlando where Garland was pressing quite a bit in that third quarter and um, Mitchell only took one shot. You, you saw the inverse of it against Boston, and I talked about this heading into the game, like the, the matchup between Holiday and Brown versus Garland and Mitchell. Like, that's a nightmare defensively, and I think the two of them played pretty well in this game. Um, they, they had their finger on the pulse in the offense, and this is what I'm kind of talking about, where, like, the old eye test says, like, uh, there's something off here. But, like, now they're saying, like, oh, maybe there is a little bit of juice here that they can build off of, and... Now, looking at the Thursday's game, there there is some good things that the Cavs can clean up to maybe actually knock off the Celtics' court advantage, quote-unquote, just because they are still uh, undefeated on their home court. This is one of those games, Evan, where I think you... I think you do feel the Mitchell Garland thing working a little bit in this game, and I think Darius in particular. I, I, I tend to really think this team looks a little better at times when Darius is the one or at least as more integral in in part of what they're doing. You know, he, spoiler, neither. I'm going to give someone else, not one of these two guys, my MVP for this game when we get to awards in the next segment. But you can make a very good case for, for either of them. Garland plays 38 minutes, 11 to 23 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, was really aggressive and looking for his 3. Something the Cavs did overall, 7 assists, 2 turnovers. That's a 26 points. That's a pretty darn good Darius Garland game. And then you have Mitchell... 29 points, 11 to 22 from the field, 5 of 13 from three, 2 of 2 from the line, 6 uh, rebounds, 3 assists, 3 turnovers, had a steal as well. A very aggressive, a very energetic Mitchell game, both really motivated, both playing, I think, incredibly hard for much of this game. And those two guys are going to drive the team's offense. This, the offense as a whole worked really well. Um, not quite as at the same clip as Boston's, and that's ultimately where they kind of fall short in this game over the course of four quarters, but... A really, really good performance by those two guys, I think, to, to spirit everything. It's a great shout on your part. Yeah, I think um, it's just encouraging. Like you said, this was overall like a very, very good Darius Garland game. I'll tip my cap. My MVP was Donovan Mitchell in this one just because well, save, there's moments. Save it, save it, save it. Save it. I'll, I'll tease it a little bit, but like there were moments in the third quarter that the Cavs kind of came out a little flat like they have all season long, but like Mitchell tapped into his offensive repertoire and his capabilities to really shoulder that load where you kind of expect him to. And you're starting to find maybe a little bit more of that harmony where Garland can be the thunder. Mitchell can be the, or Garland can be the lightning rather than his playmaking. And it also scoring at but Mitchell can be the thunder where he can just kind of keep giving you pressure for the Cavs. And there is a recipe for success in that. I, I'm just interested to see what the next mutation is of it. We're, we're we have a well. I'll explain what this is going to be later in the show. Uh, what we're going to have on the Thursday episode that won't give us a chance to talk about the the rematch of this. But Evan, what? Give me one thing you're looking forward to in round two of this when we get that on Thursday. 
Well, it depends whether or not Evan Mobley is available. I, I'm just going to say I doubt he is after missing the first three games on this trip. I would assume he's just four for four on this one, and you reevaluate evaluate when you're back home and see how he is against Atlanta. But regardless, do we see more of what we saw from Allen, where like he's comfortable defending in space against Porzingis, or even like sometimes having to defend Tatum? Like I think that recovery block he had against Tatum was like one of the biggest plays of the game for Cleveland, and Allen really stepped up and showed out in this game. Where you and I kind of had our like doubts, like oh he's gonna gonna get overwhelmed. So. Can he replicate that performance? And again, like there are small mistakes and I'll kind of dive more into those in the third segment when we empty the notebook, but there are small things the Cavs could clean up to win this game and maybe the next one, but that, that's kind of what I'm going to kind of earmark a little bit when looking ahead to uh, what Thursday's game holds. What about you? All right. Uh, I am looking to... We'll talk about him in segment three, too. What does Karis LeVert look like? I thought I, he left me, I think, wanting in this game if there's one person that was. And let's see where let's see what the offensive aggression looks like. There's a this is a tease for me for segment two. There's a the way the Kevs played in this game was different than they normally do. And was that they got caught up in the flow of this game? Or was this a, a game plan? Like there's something here and what happened that I am I am intrigued by, let's say, about what it meant and if it means anything bigger than just a one-off. Um, but if you just look at the way they shot and where they shot, it tells a story about what the offense like. There's This is not the kind of structure of the game for Cleveland that I was expecting, and how it got there to me is... is it, it, that, that in itself will merit kind of looking back at this game. It's one of those games where you look at those numbers and you'd love to, love to have been in Boston and be like, hey, JB, what's the thought process but did this happen on purpose um, but we'll talk about that stat what that means and give out our game award that's mvp that's stat of the night and that's play of the night up after this today's episode is brought to you by our friends at ebay motors and right now ebay motors is bringing you a team up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players who are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Weeks. One name he has on his list that I really like is Isaiah Hartenstein, the former Cleveland Cavalier who slightly slept on, I would say, in Hartenstein's career is that his passing skills, that part of his game, I think, started to pop for the first time in Cleveland. And Josh writes, with Mitchell Robinson on 8-10 to 10 weeks, Hartenstein is the guy I look to, even though Jericho Sims is starting. Hartenstein closed the game on Monday, so take a look at Hartenstein. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. That is the same with your vehicle. For me, that's my Ford Bronco. I love my car. It is the car I'm going to drive for as long as I can. And eBay Motors is going to help me do it. I have all my parts that I could need in the future picked out in there. I have the accessories I might want to get myself as a little Christmas gift saved in there as well. And with the over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
ebay.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball for more insight from the great Josh Lloyd. All right, if you're tuning in for the first time today, here are our game awards. It's going to be MVP. It's going to be stat of the night and play of the night. We do these after every game, win or lose. Sometimes we put the awards in air quotes because when they do things like lose to the Portland Trailblazers, it's not quite awards. Evan, who's your MVP? Um, My MVP in this game, like I said in the first segment, is Donovan Mitchell. Um, What really crystallized the performance for me in this game is not just the fact that he was Cleveland's leading scorer and overall the leading scorer for both teams. Um, but more so the fact that like in the third quarter when the Cavs came out flat like they did or have rather in most games, like Mitchell started to heat up. He started to find shots. I think he didn't press, which is the most important thing. Like he worked within the flow of the offense. A lot of it was pick and roll heavy stuff, but Mitchell played really well in this game. And you, you talked about maybe wanting more from Karis LeVert, but like this is a game where I'm like, yeah, I, I wanted more from Donovan Mitchell for a little while now. And this is a game where he didn't press. He played within the flow of the offense and he gave the Cavs a little bit more juice than maybe what he was giving them up to this point this season. I go with Jared Allen. So Jared Allen, I think had not the most robust overwhelming box score, right? Like, you're not going to look at this and be like, man, that was a, a monster Jared Allen. He had 14 and 5, and he fouled four times. He only had two blocks. He had three steals, 6 and 9 from the field, 2 of 5 from the line, missed some free throws. That certainly wasn't great. But, Evan, I, I thought the way he played defensively in this game and the, some of the shots he made out of the short roll, hitting little floaters, hitting little jumpers, it's about, it's about as good as you've seen Jared as a two-way player in some spurts this season. And I thought he was so active in contesting shots of the rim and being there and was really up for as best he could, and he kind of couldn't do it all, and he definitely just could not do this all on his own. This is one of the spots you really miss Mobley, and we'll get to that more, more on that. But he was very good at being in spots where he had to be, considering the way the Cavs were playing in this game and how small they skewed at times and the way Boston was really particularly picking at them with different looks. So I, I go Jared Allen. I just thought a very good Jared game, even if it's not the most overwhelming. I think that's a good shout. He played really well in this game. Um, again, like had to deal with a stretcher big man in Kristaps Porzingis. You also had to deal with Jason Tatum, who is like a bigger wing. That is a four on the floor for Boston, but is like a one, two, three, four type player that Allen you know, didn't wasn't perfect against, but like defended pretty well. And um, in one of those defensive sequences against Tatum, which is my play of the night, is I believe it was like maybe four-ish minutes in the second or third quarter. Um, Allen was like towards the top of the paint or the top of the key, um, was watching the play unfold, recovered because Struess got blown past by Tatum, and Allen had a very athletic, high-energy block that. One wasn't a foul, which, you know, superstars usually get fouls, or in superstars in Tatum's case usually get foul calls on plays like that. And more importantly, the Cavs are able to crowd it inbounds and run down the floor and kind of get an easy bucket on the other end of the court. So, yeah, Allen was pretty big in this game, like both figuratively and literally, and really stepped up the tax, task despite not having Evan Mobley out there with him. Let's go to play the night. Uh, what What is yours? It, just like I said, like it was one of those spark note moments where the, you thought going into this game... Allen was going to get picked apart, especially after fouling out the night before against Orlando. And, you know, the general onus on Jared Allen, at least 
uh, externally, probably not internally, is a little more bleh than some people want to leave on. A lot of people are saying, like, oh, they need to move him and build around Mobley, Garland, and Mitchell and maximize that, which, yeah, that that is a path for how to flesh this out long term. But, like, in the, in the now, like, he, he really stepped up the task, especially because this was a game where Evan Mobley was certainly missed, maybe whether it was second chance opportunities or just overall defense against Tatum and or Brown and or Porzingis and like Allen just stepped up and played pretty well in his role. Like you said, it wasn't like the flashiest or even the sexiest numbers counting wise, like 14, five and five and two with four fouls. Isn't like super robust, but like he, he did step up the task and it kind of crystallized for me because one, he shows a little bit more of that burst after dealing with the um, injury during the preseason kind of ramping back up his production and um, just looked sharp in that block on Tatum. I think that that was my play as well. Uh, that block from him was great. I'm going to throw out another two other ones. One, which is a Cavs one, one, which is Drew Holiday denying Donovan Mitchell. Uh, the first one, the Mitchell pass, he has a pass in the first half where he spun in and out over Drew Holiday and then whipped back. And then he pulled the ball back the other way and whipped it to Dean Wade in the corner. Um, Mitchell's body control is just outrageous. I think that might be his number one strength as a player is his ability to plant and throw passes and attack angles with his strength and his athleticism. This pass is just strike core strength. It's not vision so much as it is he's on one foot and he pulls the ball out all the way to his right and whips it to the corner at full speed and it's on. It's perfect. It's just he's the only one on the team that can make that pass. The other one is for the first time tonight, Evan, you know that up and under move that uh, Mitchell loves where he whips the ball kind of over and it, it uses it to get by guys? Drew Holiday, I think, is the first player I have ever seen know how to defend that and poke the ball and cause a turnover out of it. I was kind of dumbfounded by the fact that Drew did that in this game. Yeah, you know, one of the best defensive guards in the league, um, Drew Holiday, like even though he's 33 years old and maybe wasn't the primary or permanent solution for um Milwaukee long term, like still cooking out there. And like, even if the scoring is there for him quite as much as it was at one point in his career, like that was kind of my fear heading into this matchup was just like, okay, how do, how do Tatum and um, holiday or sorry, not Tatum. I mean, Tatum too, Tatum holiday and Brown all defend um, Garland and Mitchell. And there were moments, the two uh, for Cleveland were able to break down some of the defensive threats, Boston threw at them. But then there's also moments where like drew holiday just has like that level to him where like, he can kind of read and react to things that, like you said, nobody else really is capable of. A couple really quick stats to get out of this segment. Uh, for me, it's that the Cavs and the Celtics were pretty even as far as the percentage of their shots from three. 46% of the Cavs shots were from three versus 48% for Boston. Both teams, the Cavs finished with 45 threes, the Celtics with 44. Boston comes in at a pretty significant, high clip of threes, I believe, first in the league in terms of three-point rate among teams. Yeah, they came in at 44.6% of their shots from three. Cleveland, by comparison, 34.6%. So for whatever reason, the Cavs just took a bunch of threes in this game. Again, that's so out of character for them that this, that it, but it worked. Like, the offense was good, and the it fit the personnel. Just so, maybe, it, it's probably just a one-off. That would be my guess, but really interesting to see the Cavs just go toe-to-toe in terms of three-point rate with the team that takes the most threes by percentage of their shots in the entire league. And instead of being at about average from terms of three-point rate, a little below league average in terms of that kind of rate, they're well, well, well above league average. What's your stat? 
Uh, my stat of the night is as I double check my numbers, my math. Um, Mitchell and Garland scored a pass to combine for 78.8% of Cleveland's total points in this game. Um, and it didn't feel like, again, your turn, my turn basketball. It felt like they were kind of playing in harmony with the, the, the flow of the offense. Like you said, Mitchell's body control was outstanding as it always has been. I think Garland just being a little bit more focused on uh, being mindful with his possessions. I think the two turnovers to seven assists is a great shot by you in the first segment. Like overall, like a really good game between these two and kind of really does set that foundation of like, okay, what are the next steps now that they are both healthy and at least in Mitchell's case starts to have that burst back again that maybe he was missing while recovering from the hamstring injury. And now that, they're both kind of feeling themselves a little bit. And despite the loss, like what can they build upon from this to kind of get better and just really maximize Cleveland's chances every night. All right. Up after this, how do the Cavs have seven Mobley and how did Carousel Vert look in his return? That's coming up after this. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at game time. You should not have to worry about anything any stress, any anxiety about getting the best deal when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. The last-minute deals on game time are great. I use them in New York this summer. I'm going to use them when I go back to New York in March, you can use them here in Cleveland if you're here and you want cap stick. The game time's a great way to do it. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, Create an account, redeem our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, and that is guaranteed. Uh, let's start with Karis Le- with Levert. Mm-hmm. He was kind of blah to me. I I understand why he's one of the five that you're closing with. And there's going to be moments where you need him and, and need what he does. But this is also, to me, Evan, one of those moments where he comes back and it's good to get the body back, and I don't want to take away from that. But I also find that what he is does feel a little bit too overlapped with Garland and Mitchell. And you know, I don't know if it's Niang. This wasn't a great Okoro game, particularly in offense, where he's just looked very unsettled. But Levert was just... It, it didn't feel... He didn't just fit exactly seamlessly in his first game back from injury. He definitely did look like a guy who was coming back after missing quite a few games with a knee injury or just an injury in general. And like, yeah, he had 11 points, three assists, two rebounds, but like they were kind of empty, like you're alluding to. Like it just didn't feel like he meshed very well with Garland and Mitchell. And ideally, you're like closing with that smaller lineup of Garland, Mitchell, Levert, Max Struess, and Jared Allen, or Evan Mobley, depending on whatever J.B. Bickerstaff's comfortable with that night. But it, this is just an instance of, like, he probably needs to play himself back, self, himself back into, excuse me, um, game-ready shape. And there was just a lot of bumps and bruises and maybe just, like, some kind of unevenness when it came to his performance tonight. I mean, there definitely was. And it, ditto for Okoro. I think Niang certainly 
didn't give you much. He only had one shot, which was a three-point attempt, which he connected on. But then other than that, he had two rebounds, one assist, one foul. And the turnover like wasn't giving you much on the floor because he was the second biggest culprit in plus minus and minus 14 on the floor. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be a bit of an adjustment. I the, the, This lineup with Levert, Mitchell, and Garland struggled at times last season. I think there's ways for... Baker staff to get Levert rolling a little bit. So it's a little bit easier and less bumpy of a ride down the stretch when you run that smaller lineup and you kind of see the results you get when that lineup is clicking. But yeah, like this is a game where, as you said, it left more to be desired. And I don't expect this to be like the long-term forecast for Levert's production, but certainly was a bit of a sour note considering how well Levert um, plays against Boston in the garden and during his career. All right, let's go on Evan Mobley. I, I think there's no better way to encapsulate Evan what they missed by not having Evan Mobley in this game. By being in a world <laughs> where when the Cavs needed a different body to defend Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. they used Tristan Thompson. And it was a 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 calculation, but boy, uh the math was not good. Yeah, it's like I get why they try it. And I think overall in this game, you felt missing Mobley in this in, in just eating up space. And and I think in the pick and roll, you saw Boston, particularly late, really hammer Dean Wade. You know, really hammer Max Struess in those spots where they just said we're bigger than you in the, in this action. We're just going to go at you and get a good look out of it. And that that process went out because it was the right calculus. That that was the right calculus. But you miss Mobley to help defer some of those actions. You missed him as an option to defend Tatum. Or Brown, if you wanted later in this game. As much as I, Evan, I think there's, I think, fair wondering what exactly is an offense, what the best fit is for him defensively. He's he is both a the floor. He I think he both raises the ceiling and and raises the floor of what this team is defensively. And this is the kind of game against an elite offensive team that had the size advantage against you in spots that. You know he's not going to solve Derek White hitting a bunch of threes and all of that, but he's going to help you defend those pick and rolls. He's going to help you eat up space. He's going to give Jared Allen support in the inside, even if he's just in help. And and frankly, like I think for us, I would have liked to have seen him defend Jason Tatum in this game. I would have liked to have seen what that looked like to get a feel for where he's at as being the the guy defending a lead predator. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a great shout, just because. I believe Serena Winters posted pointed this out the last time the Cavs were at home, but like Mobley is once again one of the best isolation or just like one-on-one defenders in the league for like about the second year of the row. He wasn't the number one at the end of last season, but he was a top five player in that category. But yeah, this is a game where his value is understated, and you also hit the nail on the head where like he does raise the ceiling overall, just because he is such an otherworldly defender, but also just like raises the floor as well, just because. He is so rock solid defensively in what he provides you. And I think that's the beauty of the Allen and Mobley tandem is Allen is very comfortable. I'm not very comfortable, but he's comfortable at least like defending the paint or at least having to defend in, excuse me, defending in space. If you ask him to, I think he played very well against Porzingis in this game, but like his primary role and his biggest strength is defending the paint. And that kind of empowers Mobley to, Defend guys like Jason Tatum, right? maybe even defend Jalen Brown and shoot. Maybe he did would have defended Derek White a few possessions on the perimeter as well. But uh, yeah, I, I just I, I think this game would have been different. I don't know if the outcome would have been different if Mobley played, but it, it certainly would have felt 
different scoring wise for Boston if they if the Cavs did have their best overall defender out there. Let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damrell. We I'll be back at you on Thursday. We have a special guest coming through. It's going to be a little differentiation. It's we're going to talk. Uh, I'm talking with Vince Gary, who writes for Cleveland Magazine. He did a really cool story recently about the Cleveland Rockers. And considering there's just a little break in the schedule, considering there's we're. I want to talk to Vince about the story. It's a cool story. It involves LeBron. It involves the guns. It involves Dan Gilbert. It involves the future of basketball in the city. So we're going to talk to Vince about that. And then Friday, Evan will be back. We're going to do a Cavs Celtics recap. So tomorrow, little WNBA, little basketball in Cleveland history for you. Something I'm, I think you'll really enjoy. And then Friday, we'll recap Cavs Celtics round two. Uh, where Evan, I suspect the Cavs probably won't be like an 11 and a half point underdogs. Maybe like six and a half. No. no. Maybe even lower because... Uh, to be frank, I thought they were going to get steamrolled in this game oh, just because of how good Boston people was. Could the Cavs showed up. People could go to the show yesterday. We're like, ah, I don't know. They're going to probably get smoked. And then they didn't. So credit to them at the very least for the fact that they didn't they didn't get their, their uh, butts handed to them for this one. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe less than six and a half, but no less than three and a half point dogs. It, it all depends, depends on Evan Mobley, of course, but like, the Cavs did play pretty well, all things considered. Like, again, glass half full, despite a loss. Like, it can get annoying to hear, but it, this wasn't like an overall like doom and gloom loss for Cleveland. So, like, shouldn't like completely count them out on Thursday. Talk to you all tomorrow and Friday. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always, and thanks for listening to this episode of Lockdown Cast for Wednesday, December 